Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? This is your boy, Jay Mason. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Album Cover, where we get the inside scoop with those in the know within the music industry and give them their flowers while they're here so that they can be celebrated and revered. Right now with me, I have my man from BK. He's been in the game for decades back in the days of the part, jam part jams, got his own radio show, producing, everything else in between. The one, the only, the incredible, the couple, Mr. DJ Swanee River. Swanee, thank well, you for coming out to the podcast. Hi, man. What's good? What's everything, my brother? What's going on? Not much, man. I appreciate you taking the time out to be with me on the podcast. Of course. Why not? It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Yeah, and I want to give a special shout out to the professor for linking us up and making this interview happen. Yeah, shout out to the pro. Yeah, you already know. Yeah, so how are you holding up with COVID and how has it been affecting you as a DJ knowing that gigs are kind of dry right now? Well, you know what? Thank God that um I have my radio show, which is gonna which is airing tonight at uh New York time at uh, 10 p.m. on all digital radio. Um RWS radio. Yeah, thank God for that, man, because if not, man, I think I'll be I think I'll be losing my mind. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of concert promoters and everybody else losing their minds right now because no yeah. venues, no money. And then, as yep. you're seeing now, because of what yeah. D Night's been doing on IG, that mm -hmm. the labels have been cracking down on. No, you can't play this because you don't own it. Yeah, well, see, my my um the station that I'm working with, you know, they take care of everything, so I can play whatever I want. Hey, that's that's how it goes. To have somebody else do the work for you so that mm -hmm. you don't get yeah, hit with that absolutely. cease and desist later. So yeah, yeah. let's take it back to the very beginning. Where did your love of DJing come from? And did you grow up going to any of the park jams during the early days of hip hop? Well, um, a quick story. I was uh, with my family at that. I was at, I think I was uh, 10 years old. Um, I was, we were on our way to my, uh, my aunt's house. She lived in the Bronx. And, um, when we got to the building, I heard this music playing, you know, and I'm like, man, where's that music coming from? And as we get closer to the building, uh, I see this guy DJing outside and I didn't know who he was. But later on in life, I found out that it was the grand, incredible DJ Grandmaster Flash DJing in front of my my aunt's building. And when I when I saw him put his hand on that record and jiggy jiggy jiggy, I said to myself, "That is what I want to do. I got to do that. I want to do that." You know. So I had uh, another friend of mine, um, Bobby, Bobby Simmons. Um, he taught me how to do good times. He taught me how to scratch up good times. And I, as I practiced and practiced and listened to all the Grandmaster Flash's records and watching him on, on watching his uh, um, videos, and I saw him in the movie Wild Style, and, and I got better and better and better, and I fell in love with DJing. That, that was like my, my, my thing. At the age of I should say at the age now, at 12, I was in the neighborhood, you know, playing music outside. You know, I was like the youngest, the, the, the youngest out of, the, out of everybody that was playing music. 
Right now, to set the scene up for those that may not be old enough to remember what it was like during hip hop's early years, where they would either go to basements in an apartment building, yeah. a rec yeah. center, or a park, anywhere that they yeah. could, and they would bring yeah. out the big long speakers. And this took a crew of about ten or more, because you had somebody carrying the oh, yeah. equipment. Oh I, I had my, I had my own crew. I had my own crew. Yeah. And yeah, then the so, way yeah. you got your foot in the door was you would pass the records to the DJs. And depending on who they were, yeah. they had it according to BPMs or whatever yeah, genre. Absolutely. And that was kind of like your way of getting down with the crew was to carry the crates. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Carry, carry the crates, carry the speakers, carry the coffin with where, where the turntables sit. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then also too, there was no such thing as permits. So what they had to do was hot wire their equipment into the light pole so that they can get juice for their equipment. <laughs> man, I grew up watching Crush Groove while styling Beat Street, so I seen oh how god. it was done, man. Oh my god, that's crazy. Let me tell you, man. After after seeing Grandmaster Flash for the first time ever, like I said, I didn't know who he was at the time, you know. And <clears throat> there was a crew in my neighborhood called the Dance Masters. They, they call themselves the Dance Masters Disco with DJ School to Love and Smitty. And those two used to, they, they used to play music behind my building, under my window. And seeing Grandmaster Flash and watching these guys, man, it, DJing is just, man, that was something that, that it, it, like music, it, music is, is, is like my whole, my whole life. It's my life. Right, and this past week is the anniversary of that day at 1520 Sedgwick Avenue where Cool Herc threw Avenue. that back to school party. Yeah. And that this little thing, John recall hip hop was born. Go ahead and right. clarify. Right, exactly, exactly. That, that's that's uh, the father, he's the father of, uh, of hip hop. He's the creator of hip hop, DJ Cool Herc. You know, and then you have Africa Bambata and you have Grandmaster Flash. Those three are the holy trinity the holy trinity of hip-hop. Mm. And then for those three cats, we wouldn't have hip-hop today. Right, and then you also have your pioneers like your DJ Hollywoods, your Love Buzz, Starsky, right. Eddie Chiba, right. P. DJ Jones, Whoa. DJ Flowers, Disco Twins, Grand Rizzo ah. Theodore, and the list, oh, Jazzy J, Africa Islam, ah. the list that goes on and on of all the DJs yeah. that preceded you know, the three. Now, now that you say Africa Islam, I did a song with Africa Islam years ago. Uh, the song was called um, Son of a Rapper Dapper Snapper by this gentleman by the name of Edward Birdsong. Um, I did some scratches on the record and I did some human beatbox on the record. Mm. So yeah. you're saying that at 12 you wanted to get in. Did you lock yourself in the room, practice all yeah. summer so that you could learn how to beat juggle, yeah. know your BPMs and know where to put your marks? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And who was the first DJ that you remember taking you under their wing as your mentor and kind of showing you the ropes? And this is how you set your own stuff up when booking for club gigs or when you're cutting the mixtape. Yeah. Well, the first DJ was Scooter because Scooter, Scooter Love, he was, uh, he was dating my sister. So yeah, um, he heard me playing music in my room one day. So he came in, he was like, what are you doing in here? And when he saw when he saw that I had the plastic turntables, you know, with the with the tape, with the nickel tape to the arm, and he looked at me, he laughed, 
But then he said, come here, I'm, I'm going to teach you a, a thing or two. Now, mind you, I had, I had the kind of turntables that didn't have pitch control. So what I used to use was toilet paper. People laugh at, well, when I say that. I used to take the toilet paper, roll it up, and put it under the plate, and it would slow the plate down. So I can mix that this song with this song. Does that make sense? Yeah, and very ingenious way of do it yourself. And that's what I admired about the right. early DJs and producers of hip hop, where you pretty much had your home studio and just made do with what you had. Yeah. Well, yeah, what what I had, exactly. Mm, and then also another little factor that a lot of DJs benefited from that blackout on that night and I believe it was 77 where everybody was hitting up Crazy Eddie's or whatever your local <laughs> electronic store was to start up a DJ crew the statute of limitations is up so don't feel bad if you if you took anything but a lot of crews sprung up overnight because of that mm -hmm. and then Mixtapes yeah. were getting passed around from borough to borough, right, and some right. DJs had at the beginning, right. do not copyright, because if I catch you with it and you weren't supposed to have it, then it was right. going to be beat down on site. Right, exactly. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> I remember, um, well, I was what? I think I was 10 years old when the blackouts happened. Um, I remember taking like a piece of sandpaper and scratching out the uh the labels because I didn't want nobody to, to have what I had. I just scratched them out and then and I will I will put something on the label so I know what that song is. Right. And this was of course back in the day when there was this thing where it's no biting. No biting. No copy. No you had to if, be original. If, 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 yeah if you if you bit somebody's routines or you bit what, what, what somebody else was doing, man, that was an instant beatdown, of course. Mm, and I'm sure, like you were saying, you, you scratched out the records that you had because you didn't want no DJs to get a leg up. Right. So I'm sure yeah. all the DJs were very stingy with where they got their collection. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not telling you where I got this from. Like, yeah. I, you either get it from somebody that you're in good with at a record store or you uh -huh. knew somebody that had a private stash and you brought it off of them. Right. Uh -huh. But see, let me, let me tell you this. Um, by the age of uh, 15, 16, uh, there's a, in my neighborhood, there was a store called Soul Shack, right? And I used to go to that store. I used to cut school just to go and hang out in that store. So the owner of me, the owner of the store, the guy, you know, he, he started liking me because, you know, I was very curious about how they're selling records and how they're doing stuff in that store. He gave me a part-time job in that store. When I when he told me you can work here part-time, but you have to go back to school, I it, it was it was like the, the heavens opened up. Ah, I give free records. So I get exclusive stuff. So I worked in that store for after after high school, then I worked in there full time. You know, and I was getting free records. I had so many records, man. I mean, I still have them. They're in my sister's basement. I think I have maybe well over 100, maybe 125 milk crates wow. in her basement. Yeah, in her basement. That's, and she keeps fighting, she keeps fighting with me because she wants me to take some things out of it and I refuse. That's an insane collection, you know. Hey, I'll give you these free records, but you got to go back to school. And a couple of years ago, yeah. I did an interview with Tom Moulton, and he was telling mm -hmm. me about the history of the 12-inch and how disco 
Boom. went hand in hand with hip hop and the birth of the 12 inch was designed to keep everybody dancing on the floor because before yeah. the 12 inch they would try to compress long records onto a 33 and the sound right. wouldn't be as clean and as crisp so the 12 inch developed into longer records which got people yeah. on the floor and led to what we now know as the dance slash remix or extended mix right. culture. Right. Yeah, because 12-inch records, like, it, it, well, if you buy it, well, back then, if you bought a, a whole album, the track, the every song, the, the tracks were compressed. A 12-inch, one song, the tracks, the uh, uh, the grooves were were opened up a little bit, so the, the, the quality was much better, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then also, you know, Sylvia Robinson with Sugar Hill Records put out Rapper's Delight with Sugar Hill yep. Gang. And they used the in-house band for a lot of those yeah. records. And then just recently, yeah. I was listening to Questlove Supreme and they interviewed Rick Rubin. And he was saying uh -huh. how while that was good for getting hip hop into the door, they necessarily didn't care for it because it still kind of had R&B undertones where it was smooth. Mm -hmm. But once Def Jam came out, it was street. Yeah. It was more of this is what the kids are listening to and it's not polished. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the rap records that you ended up spending your hard-earned money on that you can remember saying, I'm going to save up my money to get this album? Man, I would, let me tell you something, working in that store, I would order special stuff for myself. Like, I remember, <laughs> wow, you're taking me way back. I remember, of course, the Sugar Hill Gang, and I got a story about that, about that song. Um, the Sugar Hill Gang, uh, Spoonie G, Love Rap, um, Willie Will, Willie's Rap, I remember all these songs, wow. Um, ooh, uh, uh, the Funky Four plus four more, another Sugar, Sugar Hill art, uh, Sugar Hill, uh, Sugar Hill artist. Uh, I mean, there's so many, so many tracks. Oh my God. Um, ooh, they, I, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to remember these, but yeah, I, I used to spend a lot of, a lot of Sugar Hill, a lot of profile records, a lot of, uh, uh a lot of hip hop. Mm, so a lot of sleep was a baby. Yeah, so a lot of enjoy, emergency, sleeping bag, wild pitch, Absolutely. cold yeah, chilling, yeah, salsa, yeah. all cold of that chilling, good stuff. Yeah, Bismarck and um, Big Daddy Kane and and and, and um, Rock, um, Eric B and Rock Kim. I mean, the list is endless because you know those songs are timeless. Those songs are timeless because if you play those songs today, people will go crazy. Mm -hmm. It still no, get the dance floor going. Of course, because the, those are classics. I mean, I don't care who gets mad at this, but these rappers today, they do not make classic music. They, the none of their songs are. I mean, I don't see myself playing uh, um, a little Beak or whatever his name is. I don't see myself playing that ten years from now. I don't see it. Or what? Oh, you know, I mean, it's not, it's it's not a classic song. You just said WAP. Look, do the WAP. You play that song at a party, do the WAP. People get up and, you know, they'll, they'll do the damn thing. Mm. Now, at this time, was hip-hop slowly leaking into each borough, or was it where 
it was started in started in this borough, then it slowly traveled to each borough, or was all boroughs yeah. kind of end on it at the same time? Yeah, well, the, no, not really, because when I went, like I said, Scooter, Scooter and Smitty, Scooter was a rapper. He was also a rapper, so he was DJ and he's rapping. You know, just to get the crowd hyped and and, and make everybody dance and have a good time. So hip hop, I mean, rapping. See, the, 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 you gotta understand, hip hop is the culture. Yeah, hip hop is the culture. Rap is the music. Cause in, in hip hop, you have you have the, the the elements of rapping, DJing, graffiti, and break dancing, and knowledge of self. That's five elements in hip hop. So you have. The, the, the DJing part and the rapping part, they will always go hand in hand. And the breakdancing, they will always go hand in hand. Mm. But hip hop was all over the place. Right. And New, then another, New York right. And then another thing I want to mention too is that the downtown scene also meshed with hip hop because you had Blondie doing uh, right. Rapture. And then when yeah. they hosted SNL, Funky Four Plus One More performed on oh, there. Yeah. Fab Fry Freddy was in the middle between both worlds, between right. uptown and downtown. Right. And that kind of led to some of the hipsters, the art scene getting right. down with that. But from me being from North Carolina and seeing hip hop from a Southern perspective, it was looked at where it was exclusively a New York thing. Yeah, and was. pretty much everything that was coming from New York will always come to other regions a couple of months mm -hmm. late. So we would think it would be brand spanking new, but mm -hmm. you're like, man, we heard this old. months ago. Yeah. We heard it yeah. months ago, cause um, right. the only time that we were here, like Ron G, Who Kid, Kid Capri, any of the mixtapes out of New York, was yeah. if you had somebody that was from up north coming down south to either go to uh -huh. school or visit family, and they'll take it with them. And that's the beauty of hip hop and a rap is because uh -huh. when all the other regions started to right. get a hold, you had a different sound, you had a different look, you had a different right. vibe. What was going on in LA was totally different than New York or Philly or Atlanta or Houston. It was like right. everyone had their own unique style. Right. And, Absolutely. Right. And then also a game changer for me was when a little kid from the St. Nicholas Projects, was hearing the sounds of hip hop at the Harlem World. Mm -hmm. And he said, let me take these street sounds with mm -hmm. the melodic approach of R&B, merge them together, and we have the phenomenon known as New Jack Swing. So what was right. your thoughts on when Teddy Riley took R&B and hip hop and made it into that fresh new sound? Well, when I first heard that, that when I first heard the New Jack Swing for the first time, it blew my mind. It blew my mind because it was, it was something new. You know, I, it blew my mind, but I wasn't really. But as as the as uh, what's what's his name? Uh, Heavy D. When Heavy D came out, that's when I fell in love. I said, "Yeah, this is this is that thing. I, yeah, I, I gotta have some of this." So I used to buy all their records. You know, every anything with Teddy Riley's name on it, I would buy. Right, Teddy Riley was definitely the man because if you think about R&B prior to Make It Last Forever, so 87, 
back. Mm -hmm. It was more polished. It was more adult. You had Luther, yeah. Freddie, Anita, Sade, and then we were also still in the midst of the Minneapolis sound with Prince, the time, everything right. that was coming out of rest there. So, Prince, yeah. yeah, rest in peace, Prince. So once Make It Last Forever dropped, it was R&B had changed. But I also want to give props to the Full Force, because Full Force laid the groundwork for what was to come with New Jack because yeah. they were kind of doing that with Lisa Lisa, UTFO, right. Throw Pepsi yeah. Riley in their own production. So they were kind of right. in the midst of that as well. Yeah, that's another thing. When I heard Lisa Lisa, man, I, I fell in love with that woman. You know, she was, she she is the the, the reigning queen of freestyle music. Mm. And freestyle. freestyle. Freestyle, that's Latin hip hop. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she is the reigning queen. You know, there, there, there's a lot of females who, who 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 do that type of music, but she she I think she was the first. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what were your thoughts when Beastie Boys first came into the game, put out License to Ill? Because we got to think about it. Before them, there were no white acts coming in no. and doing hip hop, so everybody was looking at it like, hold on, who are these three? White boys trying yeah, to Yeah, I mean, when I heard the Beastie Boys for the first time, I was like, uh, they're making fun of hip-hop, and I don't like it. Mm, yeah, because I like License to Ill, but some of the lyrics and some of the songs that were on there kind of sounded very Animal childish. House, frat boy. Yeah, 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 frat boy, childish nonsense. Right. Yeah. But yeah. then... Run DMC came out with their debut in Raising Hell. That was another game changer because a lot of people, because mm -hmm. with Russell being being uh, Run's brother, a lot of people thought that they mm -hmm. were signed to Def Jam, but they right. were on profile, but Def Jam affiliated. I mean, their uh -huh. beats were hard. They had that first look of, we're not going to dress in costumes like rock acts or P-Funk. We're going to dress yeah, like, like yeah. the dudes in the streets. We're going to have the Godfather hats, the gold chains, yeah. the black leaves, and my Adidas. You know, I used to dress like them, too. <laughs> Man, I used to have the Adidas suits with the cane, with, with the Kango hat, you know, the big chain. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, my, I, yeah, my, my Adidas. My Adidas, because... Yeah. As the story goes, I think they were performing at Madison Square Garden, and I think a rep from Adidas was there, and they were about to go into my Adidas and run, told the audience, take one of your shoes, start, put it in the air, and that led Adidas to say, hey, we need to get in business with hip-hop. But the cornerstone of Death Jam is a man who got his start as a rapper, then transitioned into acting, businessman, everything else and right. don't let that ncis money fool you because he can still give you that 16 bars if you right. come to him wrong right. uncle right. l ll cool j so ll, LL serve him well yep personally in my top five of mcs and just to see his career to where he was signed to def jam put out mm -hmm. radio in 85 and to still be relevant Four decades later, is just a testament to his stand power and willingness That's to right. reinvent himself. Right, 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 right. You know, um, LL, skinny kid from Queens. Um, I, when I saw him in that movie Crush Group for the first time. When I saw him in that, I was okay. This this dude got some, you know, he, he got some bars. But when he dropped that album, that radio album, and he and 
everybody knows he was the first rapper to do a love song. The first rapper to do a love song. I need love. No other rapper, no other rappers was was doing that. He right. was he he was the pioneer of that. Right. And and then everybody started doing their own little rendition and you know. Yep, and he's still eating off of that. And also, I want to give props and highlight Houdini. Yeah. We got we to talk about Houdini. Escape yeah. album, Friends. big album. Friends, big album. Thomas Dolby did a lot of their earlier records. You know, Mr. Magic's. Yeah, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mr. Wow. Magic's one. Yeah, Thomas Dolby did that because they were signed to Jive and they went over to the UK to do some of the work on the Escape album. That's crazy, man. Yeah, Larry Smith, may he rest in peace. But also, right. another point I want to highlight about Houdini was they were a part of the first big rap tour the Fresh Fest, which was put together by Mr. Michael Malden, who's the dad of Jermaine Dupree, who was the mm -hmm. dancer for Houdini <laughs> on right. that tour. And also on that wow. tour was the Fat Boys. Yeah, you're taking me way back, man. You're taking me way back, way back. That's what I tried to do. The Fat Boys, I thought was dope, but I think with with their rhymes and stuff, a lot of people weren't taking them seriously as MCs, looking at it as a novelty act because, you know, Crush Groove. Then they did this Orderlies, the Beach Boys mm -hmm. record Wipeout. But what really... Right. Go, but what really made the label kind of go away was when Prince Marky D branched out on his own to do his own mm -hmm. stuff in his production and linked up right. with Corey Rooney. Right. Right. Um, uh, I really don't want to give it away, but I live on Buffy's block. Wow. I'm living. I'm living on Buffy's block. This is that's where I live. He, wow. you know, they're all from East New York, and the, the block I live on back in the days was the block Buffy used to live on. I don't, I, just said that. I, don't, I don't know why I said that three times, but yeah, yeah. Cra crazy. Rest in peace to human beatbox Buffy, and then from a group that merged R&B and hip-hop, but had that old-school 50s doo-wop sound. Originally, they were called the Force MCs, later Force renamed MDs. to the Force MDs. So right. what was that like, kind of seeing those guys taking R&B? Yeah, yeah. The, those, the, those guys were, were great at harmonizing. They used to harmonize everything, man. I, those guys, I mean, when they dropped that, that, that track, Forgive Me, Girl, I was like, wow, like, you know, Hip hop is really evolving, you know, from the hood to global. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, because, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying it's still the world's most popular listened to music. But if you just think about what they were doing, it was revolutionary because hip hop and R and B was like you remember the old school Reese's peanut butter cup commercial where you had the chocolate candy bar on one side and the peanut butter on the other side and the two never met until by accident and you like, hmm, this is they pretty good. Into each other. They crashed into each other, yeah. Mm, like yeah, yeah it's, pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> It's pretty. It's pretty good once you put them both together, and it 
and it's been making sweet, beautiful music ever since. Uh -huh. And then a funny story about another group that merged R&B and Hip Hop, New Edition, because I know that in interviews, they were talking about when Candy Girl first dropped, they were used to come to New York a lot and do a lot of club shows. Uh -huh. And they would go to all five boroughs, be in Manhattan here, then hop and go to Queens here, and just uh -huh. really get their bearings. And I just found it kind of interesting that with them being the first generation of kids going up with hip hop and then incorporating that into a Jackson 5 inspired Diddy, uh -huh. it was it was dope to, to see that. And then just to see where all six of them have gone on to their solo careers, you know, BBD. Right. I don't I remember when I first when I first heard Candy Girl, I thought it was the Jackson Five. To be honest with you, I thought I was like, "Wow, look at that!" And when I saw that that first video, I was like, "Wow, these these kids are, are unbelievable, man! It's incredible." Right, Def, def yeah. definitely dope. They're still strong to this day. And then once Bobby exploded with "Don't Be Cruel," I mean, mm -hmm. just looking at his whole persona, his attitude was straight hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, I was never a Bobby Brown fan. I was never into Bobby Brown. I mean, the group, yes. The the the, the new edition, yes. But Bobby, because I thought I thought he was just too cocky, too ridiculous with you know certain things that he was doing. You know, but that song, that one song, Don't Be Cruel, I used to play that. I, I remember playing that one time at this party, and the crowd responded. It was it was when that when that record first dropped. The crowd responded, their, their response was like a little, but like after a while, then, you know, that song called on and people were like, you know, play that, play that, play this, play this. Like, All right, I'll play it, but I'm not really too, like, I'm not really a Bobby Brown fan. Right, not, not too keen on it, but also I want to yeah. highlight this man who had a show on WHBI and it later transitioned onto WBLS, which was headed at the time by the late great Chief Rocker, Mr. Frankie Crocker, Mr. Magic, and the Rap Attack. And the importance of that was that was the seed for everything that was to come with Cold Chilling, because Marley yeah. Mall was right. with Mr. Magic, Fly Tie, right. and then everybody else from yeah. Cold Chilling, BDK, Biz, I Roxanne, I remember, I remember one day Frankie Crocker saying that he would never play rap music on his show. He would never, I would never, he said, I would never play that. That's noise and nonsense. I don't, I remember him saying that until Rappers Delight came out because Rappers Delight was a major, major hit. And he had no choice but to play it. Yep. Once the people start talking, you yeah. have yeah. to play it. Yeah. You and have then, to listen to the people. The people, are, the people are the ones who are paying you. So you right. gotta listen to them. And then also at Kiss FM, you had Red Alert and Chuck Chill Out doing their own show too as yeah, those well. Those are my idols, man. Those are, those dudes, those dudes are still my idols. Red Alert and Chuck Chill Out, man. Never met them. Never met them. I would love to meet them, you know. But those guys, man, they're still my idols. Wow. Yeah, and I know a lot of a lot of folks made a lot of money recording those tapes, selling them, and you probably had your fresh J's and everything like that. So right around this time, Def Jam was exploding. Then you uh -huh. had the birth of everything that was coming out of the 
I would want to call the conscious movement. You know, you had P.E., you had De La Soul, mm -hmm. who was on right. Tommy Boy, Three Feet High and Rising, right. dope album. You had Tribe Called Quest blowing up. Then you start right. having, having some acts from Jersey seeping in. And then uh -huh. we also started seeing a lot of West Coast acts breaking through doing yeah, this well, time. Yeah, the first time I heard N.W.A., like, wow, you could say that on records? Really? Mm -hmm. Damn, you can curse like that? I, I I was um I was drawn into NWA from the from from the gate. Mm. As soon as I heard that first song, um what what was the song? Um um Oh my god, what was that? Where was that first their first hit? Um was it Boys in the Hood? That was Easy E. Um Straight Outta Compton. Straight out of Compton, the name of the movie, duh. Yeah, when I when I heard that song, man, I was Instantly, I fell in love with, with N.W.A. Right. So was there Dr. Dre? Dr. Dre. When I heard Dr. Dre um, making beats, that's when I started. That's when I fell in love with making beats because I wanted to be like him. Right. So was there a lot of resistance at the time from a lot of East Coast DJs that weren't so warm to what was coming out west? Well, a, a lot of a lot of East. Coast DJs didn't want to play West Coast music because you know hip hop. You know, the, our attitudes was you know it started here and it will stay here. We don't need nobody else from nobody from no, no other place to, to do what we do. We invented this. But you know, my attitude, my attitude, like uh, my attitude had to change because I couldn't deny that I couldn't deny NWA because the music was so good. It was good, so I used to play it for myself. I never played at parties or anything because nobody wanted to hear it, but I would play it for myself. Right, and then you also had other acts out west such as LA Dream Team, you had the World Class Wrecking Crew, right. Uncle Jam's Army, Egyptian Lover, yeah. and then if you yeah. go up I-5 to Seattle, you had Nasty Ness and Sir Mix-a-Lot doing their thing mm -hmm. with Beepers, My Posse's on Broadway, and then yeah. the Southern sound was starting to take shape because you had Spanish Fly out of Memphis, Jay Prince, rap a lot, of course, mm -hmm. and then Uncle Luke in Miami. Yeah, that's that man, that's the man. Right, the man. right, and then when you think about what Luke and Jay Prince were doing, it was at a time where a lot of people looked at what was coming out of the South as not up to par with what was coming out of the West Coast in LA and out of New York. So Luke and Jay Prince moved in different circles because Jay Prince's content on Rap A Lot was more street oriented, more the ghetto boys, while Luke's music was dance all the way. And then uh -huh. Atlanta right. kind of caught on to what was going on in Miami and put their own spin onto the Miami bass sound. And that right. kind of planted the seeds to what we see now with the whole Southern dominance of rap. Mm -hmm. Right, right, absolutely. You know what? When I first heard, um, when I first heard that 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 Miami bass man, I played a, uh, an Uncle Luke song. It was, the song was called "Throw That Dick." Throw that dick. Throw, 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 throw. When I played that at a party, believe it or not, that stupid song. Blew out my speakers, man. So the party was cut short because the bass was so intense on that. You know that that 808 was so intense. I wasn't ready for that. I was I wasn't ready for that for that 808 bass. 
Shout out to Uncle Luke for all of that, man. For real. And because of Uncle Luke, all the rappers have the right to say what they want to say on the records. Because you got to remember, rap was still looked at as, why are they saying this? And he actually went yeah. to the court to fight for your yeah. right to yeah. say those yeah. four nasty words yeah. on records. Yeah. yeah. And well, won. Freedom of speech. Like, I mean, what's, what's the problem? That's when they gave us those stickers. Those um, parental advisory, advisory stickers. stickers. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Mm. And then we also have the rise of Atlanta because we have the face records with LA Babyface. And then we also see what was coming out with Organized Noise, Outcast, uh -huh. and I everything like, else. I used to like Organized Noise, man. Organized Noise, they have some jams, man, for real. Yeah, Organized yeah. Noise, dope. And when Outcast won the Source Award for Best New Artist. It was doing the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. Andre 2000 got on stage and said, the South got something to say. And I'm sure for everybody yeah. else outside of the South, Outcast uh -huh. was a tough sell because it wasn't game yeah. banging. It wasn't yeah. the chronic. It wasn't doggy oh, style. It, it wasn't it was that hardcore biggie stuff. But it was unique to Atlanta. It was good. I, I, I feel it, it was good music. It was good music all around. Listen, man, I am a, a, a hip-hop lover. I love hip-hop. You rapping on the record, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to listen to you. If I don't like it, I'm going to tell you I don't like it. Right. You know, but, like, those songs from back in the day, man, all, for me, it's all good music. It's mm -hmm. all in fun. I love it. Yeah. Right. Why yeah. not? Yeah, I'm a big fan of everything, too. And we just wrapped up the No Limit Chronicles and what Master P did is still being talked about to this day because who do you know was able to go into a record label and say, no, I want 80% of the profit. You get uh, 20 damn. and I get to keep all my money. My unheard of. everything. Yeah. Game changer. Cause he was talking Game about, changer. he was talking about how, when he put out, I'm about it. He put up the money himself and uh. he kept all of the profits. From the sales, he sold two million tapes at ten dollars a pop. Yeah, man, the, the dude—he—he's a definitely hes definitely a, a, a one of the great pioneers of hip hop. Definitely one of the great pioneers, and then also yeah. out of Philly, we have Rough Riders. Their Chronicle special on BT is currently going right now. So Rough mm -hmm. Riders—they had that street element to what they were doing. Now I didn't know this until I saw the first episode that DMX had a single deal with Rough House. Right. And when he put out the Born Loser record, it was produced by Chad Elliott, AKA Dr. Seuss, AKA Chad from Crush Groove, who I didn't know that was him until a couple of years ago. And of course he did Stilo for 702. You know what, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, 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 no, I, can, I, can I just tell you something right quick? Go ahead, can bro. I just tell you something? Brother, you, you, you are teaching me some things. For real, you're teaching me some things. I know some things, and, you, and you're telling me certain things that I didn't know, man. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, and then another thing that I find amazing about what the New Jack Swing sound was going on at the time with what Diddy and the late Andre Harrell, may he rest in peace, with Uptown was they were able to take that smooth R&B sound molded with hip-hop and uh -huh. have this thing called hip-hop soul. He was able to take 
Mary from Yonkers, maker into Mary the queen of hip hop soul. And then the he took four guys out of my home state of North Carolina, turned them from church singing boys into singing bad boys, Jodeci. Mm -hmm. So, because right. I know for me, when I first saw the Forever My Lady album cover, I was looking at it like, this must be a rap album because they don't look R&B at all. No, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> for real, they didn't. Right, when they, that Forever My Lady record came out, man, that, that was a game changer right there. Right. Definitely that was game some real sweet hip hop. I mean, um, some real sweet R&B, man. That was really yeah, wow. Devontae doesn't get enough credit for his production. Also, I'll be sure Cal West definitely got to big uh -huh. up them because think about it. I'll be sure's debut album was done before I'll be entered night and day in the Sony Songwriters Innovators Contest, which got the eye of Quincy, and that led to his deal. And then the Interacmo uh -huh. album because nice. when you hear night and day still to this day, it still hits. Yeah, it's still it hits still hits it hits hard. Yeah, just right. like the uh, uh, the color me bad, it still hits hard. Oh, shout out to Doctor Freeze and Spider Man. I mean, they did, you know, that they did, of course, work for BBD. And mm -hmm. what BBD was trying to do with the Poison Rec album was that they wanted that Public Enemy Bomb Squad. Shout out to the Bomb Squad. Yeah, right. <laughs> Their, their work with P.E. and then when wow. Ice Cube left N.W.A. to put out America's Most Wanted. Yeah, yeah. Their production was so hard because when you listen to Poison still, it sounds just as hard and clean as a rap record, but it's a, arm, but it's a pure R&B record at heart. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, wow, and, man. And when Jersey started to blow, you had acts like Queen Latifah, Naughty, mm -hmm. Poor Righteous Teachers, Lords of the Underground. Did a lot of New York guys still feel like, yeah, you guys are across the bridge. We don't even count you guys. Listen, not me. Not me. Let me tell you something. When I first heard Queen Latifah, that was an instant love affair. I fell in love with her automatically. That, that was just, as soon as I saw her, and heard her, I fell in love. And right. then when, when when everybody everybody from the flavor unit started coming out, I was like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I love that Jersey sound. Mm, that dirty, <laughs> you know, I love that. gritty. And Reggie yeah, Noble, my that. top five on my Dead or Alive MCs, Reggie Noble, a.k.a. Rayman. Right. Rest in peace, Apache. And then right. also we got to give props to everything that was coming out of Philly at this time as well. You had Steady B. You had um, Steezo, Glamour's right, Steezo. You had um, three yeah, times I, dope. I heard Steezo passed away. Yeah, Steezo, Steezo passed, passed away. Yeah, rest in peace, yeah. uh, Steezo. Yeah. Three times dope out of Philly. They were dope. Yeah. And also, yeah. Pop Art out of Philly don't get enough credit for their story. What, what about well. the Poor Righteous Teachers? The Poor Righteous Teachers, they were from. They were from Jersey. Jersey, okay. Yeah, they're from right. Jersey because I remember them in the Rock This Funky Joint video. They right. shot outside of the bridge and I believe Trenton, I want to say. Yeah. What about Ed O.G. and the Bulldogs? Ed O.G. and Bulldogs, they're from, I believe, Boston. Boston. Yeah. yeah. They, those, are my, those are my dudes, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Gotta Have It, Dope Record, yeah. Yeah. and another group who I felt merged hip-hop and R&B very well very underrated intro. Intro, you know, I forgot about those guys, man. 
Yeah, intro was serious. You know, they were doing their work with Mary J. Blige, Shinehead, writing, writing, transferring them. They came out of the Untouchables camp. Shout out to Eddie F., David Jam Hall, all of those guys. And uh, they just, their first two albums for me was straight no skips. No skip, Uh no skip albums. And still gets banged to this day. And then we also got to look at at this time where a young man from the Marcy Projects was oh. under the tutelage by a oh. man by the name of Jazzo and in the video called Hawaiian Sophie. And mm-hmm. then he set himself up nicely with the feature on Original Flavors, Can I Get Open? Shout out to North Carolina native, Ski it's, Beats. It's, 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 it's funny how, it's funny how, how Jazzo dropped that record and uh, and gave uh, Jay Z his first shot, and Jay Z exploded, and Jazzo was still back there somewhere. Just saying. Yeah, and then a lot of labels turned down Jay Z when approaching them for a deal, and that led yeah. him, Damon, Kareem, Biggs, Burt to start Rockefeller. And as we see now, Jay Z is, I believe, the first rap billionaire. Uh huh. So it's just amazing to see his yeah. come up, his rise, and to see where he is now. But when you think back to that era of Rockefeller, Bad Boy, Murder, Inc., what made New York at that time special to you as a DJ? Mm-hmm. Because those right. records probably get heavy play at clubs like The Tunnel or yeah. Insert Here, whatever. Hip-hop club Hell was yeah. popping at the time. Hell yeah! I, I, like, like I told a, a friend of mine, you know, hip hop, hip hop was something that started in the Bronx. Now it ended up in 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 Jerusalem somewhere, or or, or Timbuktu, or or Japan. You know, hip hop is is no longer, you know, um, local. It's now global, and hip hop has influenced a lot of music today. A lot of uh. Uh well, can't say R and B because a lot of R and B is not really that much R and B out there. You know, the, some of the guys who are doing R and B today, I really, I'm not, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to share that because of the, uh, it's just for me, it's just all, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to. I get, I get where you're going. You know, I'm, you know, it's just like the music. Today's music, they lost all respect for the culture. There's no respect for the culture, man. I mean, I, I can't see myself. Look at this, 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 this numb nut, um, Takashi Six Nine, who's an. I think he's ridiculous with the with the colorful nonsense, you know. And I think he's a numb nut. He's stupid. His music, I don't understand what he's saying because he's yelling too damn much. I don't get it. Um, these new cats, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Even though it's still an extension of hip hop, I right. get that. I get that. But mm-hmm. I think I think I tuned out right after. I would say right after Biggie passed away, I tuned out. Right. Yeah, you man. Because once Biggie came out, it was like. West Coast was dominating at the time because, you know, The Chronic uh-huh. came out, Doggy Style came out a year later, Death Row yeah. was on the map, but once Ready to Die came out, 
it was like New York, but like, yeah, we're New York again. Yeah, yeah, but right, right after he passed, you know, I, that's when I tuned out. Mm. I tuned out. I still play it. Mm. I still play it on my radio show. I still play it, you know, when, when, at home. But the new stuff, I don't play. The old stuff, I play. I play it to death. I play mm. it to the death, to, to the damn record has a hole in it. You know, I, right. I will play it. I won't stop playing that. Right. Your thoughts on Onyx? Because when Onyx came out with Slam, even though you probably never knew how to fight, you wanted to fight somebody as soon as that opening beat for Slam came on. Yeah. That song, I remember playing that song at a party one time. A fight broke out. Because everybody, everybody got into this little marsh pit type thing. You know, everybody wanted, you know, and yeah, a big fight broke out. We had to shut it down. It was that gritty, sewer, yeah. grimy. Don't look at me. Don't step on my Tims. If you do, That's you get you getting to beat that that dirty, that gritty. And I look at it as the equivalent to what was going on down south with the whole crunk movement with Little John, everything that was coming out of Atlanta, and mm-hmm. what Three Six Mafia was doing out of Memphis. Mm-hmm. That same energy, you know. Look at me wrong. We fight. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of hip hop I love. Yeah, and it and it's, to me, it's like the rap version of punk rock. Yeah, yeah. Rap version of punk. You know, yeah, you're... You you're they're, they're bumping into each other, going crazy. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you're taking all of that. that energy and you just... Mm, 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 mm. So what was your take on hearing a lot of the international acts taking their spin of what hip hop is in America, but adding their cultural flavor to it, like the grime movement out of the UK and other countries. Cause you know, like you said, hip hop is global now. It's global, yeah, it's global. I mean, you know, some, some, some of these guys, I don't understand them, but I can tell that they're saying something. So I, I, I'm, all, I'm here for it. I'm here for it, I support it. All right. I, I support I support those, that stuff from back then. You know all that all that uh well, I mean not back then um all that stuff from overseas. Yeah, I I support it. Right. I complain. Yeah, because we know that a lot of the DJs from those countries that are on the EDM circuit mm-hmm. or hip hop DJs were probably paying a pretty penny on the black market for those DMC tapes. And yeah. studying all of those DJs, like DJ yeah. Cash Money out of Philly, DJ yeah. Aladdin, DJ Spinbad, the list yeah. goes on and on of yeah. all the guys Mixed that cut, the the, cut their teeth doing Mixed the um, DMC yeah. circuit. Yeah, man. Gilbert, yeah, all these cats, I get it. Yeah, man. So if you had to say, what would be your go-to record that would get the dance floor packed if you're at any club? What would be that one record that you know for sure is going to pack the floor? Love is the message. Mm. MFSB. You play, do you play Love is the message? You Just a... People, oh my God, that's my man. people jump, people go crazy and jump on the floor. They have to. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Right. And oh, we cannot forget the important contributions of house coming out of New York. Man, Paradise Garage, the Love, Larry Levan. 
all yes. of all of those got Frankie Knuckles. I mean, yes. house music. I met those guys. Those guys are. In, I mean, uh, rest in peace, Larry Levan. You know, and Frankie Knuckles. Uh, wow. I mean, yeah, I met them very briefly, and those guys, man, they made me fall in love with house music, and that's what I do today. That's what I'm doing today. You know, tonight I have I have a house music show that I'm that I that's coming on tonight. Okay. Here in New York. All right. Yeah, house music is definitely well received, well loved, and like you mentioned, love is the message. MFSB out of Philly International, Kenny Gamble, yeah. Leon Huff, that whole Philly soul sound still prevalent to this oh. day. And I'll give you a little bit of backstory on um, TSOP. So what ended up happening was. Don Cornelius wanted Gamble and Huff to do a theme song for Soul Train. So they did it. Uh -huh. But Don was so protective of the name and trademark, said, nope, you can't name it Soul Train. So that's why they named it TSOP. Right. And Don Cornelius said that was the biggest mistake that I've ever made, you know, not naming mm -hmm. the song Soul Train because it is associated with the, the show. The sounds of Philly, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the sounds of Philadelphia. And then also, right. while No Limit out of New Orleans was out doing their thing, there was another label started up in New Orleans by Baby and his brother Slim, Cash Money, Money Records. And then Money. that also gave us the likes of BG, Juvenile, Turk, yeah. and no the self-proclaimed greatest rapper alive, Little Wayne. And it's just amazing for me to see how two record labels from the same part of the country had such a big impact on hip hop. Yeah. I mean, when you see that that TurboTax commercial with all people are tax people, I'm like, that's just uh -huh. nothing but gentrified New Orleans bounce. That's it. That's that's all that that's all that's that is. So the beauty I'm of here, I'm here for the you know, I'm here for the um the New Orleans bounce. I like the New Orleans bounce. Yeah, I love the New Orleans bounce too. It had that same kind of feel like Miami bass, just not yeah. heavy on the bass. But speaking out of Miami, we also had Slip and Slide come out of Miami with Trick Daddy, Trina. Mm -hmm. We have the success of Pitbull, yeah. Rick Ross, and then DJ Khaled. To see DJ where Khaled. to see how Khaled went from being just known in just Miami and Florida mm -hmm. and to just be worldwide, just goes yeah. to show like, he hey. Was, he was, he was, um, Fat Joe's DJ. Wow, I did not know that. He was Fat Joe's DJ. That's, the, yeah, they, they, he was down with the Terror Squad. Wow, I, di I did yeah. not know he, that. Yeah, you, you, you're telling me you never seen, um, DJ Khaled wear that TS chain? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was down with Terror Squad, man. He was the DJ for the whole team. Right, yeah, and um, and right after Pun died and all that, that's when, you know, he, he started, you know, getting his wings and started doing his own thing. Still doing stuff with Fat Joe, but, you know, doing his uh, his his own thing on the side, making, uh, doing mixtapes and things like that. His albums are, are all... They're all mixtapes to me, mm. you know, because he's um he, I don't know, I don't I don't know if he's making these beats, oh uh, he's probably buying these beats. I don't know because I'm not in the studio with them, so I don't know what the hell they're doing in there. But you know, every every DJ Khaled album that I've heard, 
was a grand slam for me. Right. Khaled's records get the party moving now. Yeah. Is Staten Island looked at by the other inland boroughs as like the forgotten borough because they're kind of isolated and once Wu-Tang hit, everybody was kind of like, oh, these guys are from here? Wu? Wu? The greatest rap group ever? That's the greatest rap group ever. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. Hands down, the greatest rap group ever. I agree wholeheartedly to take nine guys, every last one of them can spit, but to put all of them in a group and to still have your personality mm -hmm. shine through, yep. that is unheard of. And what RZA did with Loud, shout out to Steve Rifkin, very unheard of where if you don't know how the industry works, people, I'm going to explain a little something to you. When a group is signed to a label, the label has what is called right of first refusal. So mm -hmm. when a member wants to cut a solo record, that label has first dibs. RZA was like, no, you're going to sign us, but we're going to each work our own solo deals to other labels. That was totally unheard of no. before or since. Right. So you right. got to give RZA props for having the business sense and seeing the future that we're all nine separate superstars. We're not going to be tied down to this one label where you're making money mm -hmm. off of us as a group and solely because, as we know, the music oh, industry, the, method, the, the contracts are not, yeah. you know, set up for the artists. But shout out to all the Wu, RZA, Jizza, yeah, all of them. Method Ray Man, Kwan. Rest in Peace, ODB, Raekwon, Capadonna, yeah. you got Ghostface. Man, <clears throat> never <clears throat> will be matched again. And Cold Chilling, Marley Maul. His production, mm -hmm. untouched, unmatched. Big Daddy King. I remember my the top beef. Five. I remember. I, I I remember the beef with him and and um. BDP. Down production. Yeah, I remember hearing a story that um, Molly told, where um, they had that they was having that beef. That beef, those two, and that uh, uh, one day uh, Molly was in the studio. And the session was over, so he decided to. Uh, well, they they left when, when they left the studio. He left um, a box with all all of his sounds, disc. He left he left that behind, and the next people that were coming in was the BDP crew, and they saw that box and they took some sounds from him, from the uh, from the Juice Crew, from Amali. And they use it for the bridge is over. And Marley was like, "Hey man, they they yeah, they they they, they, they jacked my jump kit." Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. And then what's crazy is when EPMD first came out with "You Got to Chill," yeah. when they Got sampled "More Bounce to the Ounce" by Zap, yeah. a lot of people Oof. thought that they were from the West Coast because not a nope. lot of East Coast acts were using funk samples at that time. Right. Yeah. And they, they, and they they still use it up to this day. Yeah. Like um Eric Sermon just Eric Sermon just dropped a new album and he's still using that same sound. And it's it's a dope sound. I mean, it's timeless. Like, like I said, these the, these old rap these not old rappers, but these rappers from back in the day, they made they made timeless music. You could play that anywhere today. Today's music you, you play it today and that's it. All right, I'm done.
Mm-hmm. Now, with your thoughts, I'm such a hater. I don't believe that. I don't believe I said that, but I'm such a hater. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. You like what you like. The new stuff is not your cup of tea, and you prefer the more seasoned veterans right. of hip hop. That's the that's going to be the tell? yeah Can yeah. When you got a little bit of salt with that pepper, that means no, you are no. seasoned. And we got to talk about salt and pepper. The, to me, the female ah. equivalent of yes. Run DMC. Run DMC. Three course. women knocking yes. down the doors for all other females to come after them. And yes. their impact, they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, they should be. But you know, the, the, the mother of all female rappers, the mother of all female rappers was Shah mm-hmm. You want to take it back. Shah from Fuck You 4 Plus One More. That's mommy. For mm-hmm. all the female rappers, because right. she was the first right. one ever on a record with a bunch of dudes doing her thing, and and and, and she made the dudes sound good. Mm-hmm. She made them. She made those that funky four sound good. Mm-hmm. And then we could also talk about Pebbly Poo, and then yeah. of course one of my top five female MCs, Roxanne Shante. I'm just as hard as a dude when she put and, out and big. When she put out Big Mama. Big Mama, yeah, like, she yeah. she was calling them out. How you want it served? Yeah. I'll give it to yeah. you any way you want it. Yeah, come on, Shantae, man. And then and then uh, the girl that I grew up with, we I mean we lived right across from each other. Um, Sparky D, Mama Sparky D. Mm-hmm. Remember that beef? Remember that beef she had with with, with Roxanne Shante when that when, when that Roxanne Roxanne record mm-hmm. came out? And mm-hmm. then and then those two they made an album together called um, Roxanne Shante versus Sparky D. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a battle album. Those two against each other throughout the whole entire album. Every record it was just them going against each other. Right. Right, and another underrated MC that I feel gets overlooked a lot, Special Ed. Of course, of course. That's a that's another another track if you play at a party today, people get up to dance. Yeah, I got it made. Still a banger, you know. Yes. Chub Chub Rock banger. Shout out to Howie yes. T. Right, right. Yep, yep. Chub Rock banger. Kwame. Rock bass. Mm, yep, it takes two. Still gets played to this day. Still gets, yes. These guys are eating up. These guys are eating up these songs, and they will they will eat up those songs for a very, 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 very long time. Right. They still will, and a lot of people was clowning this guy back in this day. But if you look at how pop rap is now, this man was pushing numbers that nobody thought rap could go at this time. I'm Ooh, talking MC about. Hammer? Yes, sir. MC Hammer. Yes, sir. MC Hammer, you play Can't Test This. You play Can't Test This. People get up. They get up. You know what I'm saying? You, you, play, uh, uh, you play that. I think white, white people get up more for him than anything. But, but uh, yeah, man. MC Hammer, I always thought, I thought MC Hammer was dope. You know, you know, he was stupid for the way he lost his money. But, you know, things happen, you know. Right. God right. bless him. He's still, he's still doing his thing, you know. I'm sure he, I've seen him in commercials. He's making money. He yeah, on. yeah, he, he, yeah. But what was smart though? He knew that rap needed to go to the suburbs in order to yeah. have that worldwide oh, appeal. And also, we Oakland. gotta look at everything that was coming out of Oakland at that yeah. time. You had Too Short that was coming out of Oakland. You got E40 
out of Oakland. You got the new acts like G Easy. Then you had acts like the Far Side. You had um, Mighty Souls you know, of Mischief. It's funny because I never knew. I never knew Far Side was from Oakland. I never knew that. Yeah, I think they they're from Oakland. I could be wrong. So anybody who knows where Far Side is based out of, either Northern Cal or Southern Cal, let me know. But I want to say either Northern Cal or Southern Cal that Far Side is based out of. I uh, think I know Looney's for sure from um, I love, the Bay. I, I, I used to love Far Side, man. I used yeah, to love Far, Far Side. You know, very dope. And, you know, Dale the Funky Homo I heard, Sapien. I heard they was making a comeback, if I'm not mistaken. I don't uh, know if that happened. That's, that's new news to me. I haven't, haven't heard anything. But another young rap group that I thought was super dope, these were young cats. They were like... A, Teen version of Onyx. They were out of Philly. The youngsters. Yeah, the youngsters. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were dope. Cruise pop. Who got the props? Hip hop rod. You know, and then also the who going got, live. Who got the props? Wait a minute. Who got the props? That was. That was Black Moon, wasn't it? The Black Moon. That, that was Black, Black Moon. Moon. Black Moon. Black, yeah. yeah. Shout yeah. the shout the duck down. You know, yeah, they the, got your open record, you know, still fire to this day. Of course. That's another timeless classic record. Mm, and then another record that gets everybody on the floor, that Uptown Anthem, Peter Gunn's Lord Tariq, yeah, which yeah, samples wow. Black yeah. Cow by Steely Dan off of the right. Asia album. Dope record. Yeah. I mean, the record was so dope. Wyclef had to sample it for Shakira for Hips Don't Lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that's how dope that you know, you know, let me give you a uh uh um let me give you a little a little something off that record. That those trumpets in the beginning, mm -hmm. that those trumpets come from a salsa song by a, a guy named Jerry Rivera. Hmm. Young guy named Jerry Rivera. Yeah, that's that that trumpet is a sample of a salsa record. Man, I I I did not know I did not know that. And then yeah. also we got to look at too. Um, before the score came out, Fuji's was signed to Rough House and they put out the album Blunted Variality. But then once the score came out, that led that to them good. being super huge. And then of course yeah. we saw what oh, Lauren Hill you. did with the oh. Miss Education, how she was able to merge hip hop and R and B. Yeah, that dope album, album was, will never be matched. That album was incredible, man. Will never she, she be never matched. made anything like that again. Like, what happened? Lauren? I mean, when you make an album that huge, it's hard to kind of top yourself to make an album. Just, I mean, while Dangerous was good, it won't. It wasn't top Thriller. While whatever your biggest seller album is, the next album probably won't be as big or be just as good it. as that. So. You I know, get it. I, I understand that. Mm -hmm. And also want to say about how hip hop, if you look at what Dre and Snoop has done, I mean, from NWA mm -hmm. to Snoop solo stuff, Dre solo stuff to Beats by Dre with Snoop putting Bow Wow in the game and yeah. you just see how Snoop has evolved. And nope. Snoop has evolved into something. He, he's he's a a, a a major machine today. You you see, he's got a show with Martha Stewart. Mm. Come on, he's got a, he. Who ever thought that Snoop and Martha Stewart would have a show together? Who mm. who? 
no nobody uh, strange bedfellows. Yeah. And and you see that those two are the, the best of friends. Right. And we can also say the same for Queen Latifah and Will Smith, how they started out rapping, both got on TV, living single yeah. and fresh prince of Bel Air, uh-huh. and they transitioned to movies to where there's generations of kids that don't even know of their rap history. No, they don't. You know, and that that's something that, that really hurts my heart, man. You know, my nephew, my I remember, but this happened a long time ago. My nephew, he told I, I told him, I asked him, I said, listen, how how did hip hop start? How did rap music start? He said, it was Soldier Boy. I said, well, what what what? I said, he's not even a dope rapper. He's not even a good rapper. What do you mean, Soldier Boy? What is a soldier boy? I said no, and then I had to break it down and teach him. When I when, when I was he was sitting there like he didn't know. Of course you didn't know. You're 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 a youngin. You don't know. Right. Now I'm he, here's somebody who who's been there, who's been doing it. I'm teaching you what it is. Right, but that's now, where now the importance coming in. Now this kid is a '90s hip hop fan. He don't listen to nothing but '90s hip hop. Right, right. That's where the importance come in. Where you pull out those vinyl records, you pull out those CDs, you pull out those tapes, especially the purple tape only built for Cuban Link, and say, "Study this." Right, right. He wants to be a rapper. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. I, I I can't stop him because I I know what this business is like, and I don't want him to get hurt in this business, you know. But if that's what I tell him, if that's what you want to do, man, then I'm here for you. I'll help you. I'll make the beats for you. I don't care. Mm. So what is your thoughts on DJ culture now where you we've moved away from the physical vinyl and every and it's digital using Serato and other digital digital spaces and controllers to where it makes yeah. going well, to do parties know, more easy? It's, it's it's very easy because look, when I go to parties. Right, I carry my turntables, my laptop, and my vinyl. There you go. Dope. My vinyl. So it's easier because of I don't have to carry a bunch of crates anymore. My crates are in. Uh, can you see this? My hard drive. This is my. This is my crates of records. Nice. I have. I have well over, maybe eighty, eighty thousand songs in here. Wow. Maybe more. Maybe wow. more. Now, by DJing, it almost to me feels like you're a conductor because you're up perched in the DJ booth and you're eyeing the room. Is there uh-huh. a way that you know maybe X amount of minutes into a set, like, okay, this song doesn't work. Let me switch here. Or, oh, maybe I should put this song here. And you kind of always have to constantly be gauging the temperature of the room to know what yeah, you have to, to you have and what to, not yeah, to play. Yeah. yeah, you have to. You know, like before I, before I go out to, to, to play anywhere, you know, like a day or two before that, I'll go through my my crates, <laughs> my crates, <laughs> my crates. You know, um, I'll go through them and I start picking out hit after hit after hit, and I put it into one little little folder. Now, I have to I have to see, like, if this is an hour's worth or two hours' worth. Because when I do set in a club, I may do an hour set, or I just may be there all night. So I, it, it all depends. But I know that I have to have my playlist ready 
with every track that I know that would keep people on the floor. Then I would uh, I would bring the temperature down a little bit so they could run to the bar and get some drinks. And then after I see it, then boom, I hit you again, and then you're back on the floor to dance for another hour. Mm-hmm. That's how I do it. That's right. how I do it. Right. And to all the spy. Yeah, and to all aspiring DJs, have your business on point because if you don't, you're going to get into some janky promoter stuff where they'll be like, oh, yeah. we want you to do yeah. this for 75 bucks or 100 bucks or some free drink no. tickets. Nope, don't no. do that. Nope, nope. Let me tell you something. When I, when I, when I first, not when I first started out, you know, in my, in my 20s, can I say that? In my 20s and my 30s, I was making for a one-hour set in a club I was making five hundred dollars. That was it. But now, you you today, you have to pay me anywhere from twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars if you want me to play the whole night. I'm not I'm not doing it for no less than that, because it's it, people think people think that oh he's a DJ he's just playing records you know that's all he's doing no I'm not only doing that I am I am keeping your party hot. You know what I'm saying? I am playing these songs to keep your party hot. It takes a lot of work to blend one song into another song. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy. To scratch and to go on, right on, to be on time, to get the crowd hype and get them happy, it takes, it's a lot of work. It may look easy, but it's not. Mm-mm. It is not easy, and that comes with years of practice, tolling away, yes. getting at yes. your craft. So for all those who think that, oh, because I push this button, push that button, that makes me DJ, no, no, no. just because Serato can cheat for you and know your BPMs and all of that stuff, no, no. you had to manually of, know it. Oh, oh, yeah, all of it is cheating. I mean, for me, it is cheating. Even though I use Serato, because I, I love Serato, because it makes my life, you know, easy but to be a real dj a real real dj you have to train on a pair of 1200 technique 1200 you have to know your pitch you have to be able to pitch that song into the next song you have to know that before you can move on to anything else it's very important for you to train yourself and your ear as far as bpms and tones Cause you can't have uh, something that's 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 an E flat, and 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 you come in with with, with a song with a song that's a C major. You can't. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound right. It sounds like a, a bunch of crazy noise. So you got you you got to know what you're doing. Turntables, practice on that, learn that, and then you can go with your Serato and have yourself a really hunky dory good time. And be DJ, insert your name here. Now tell us about your radio show, Rolling with Swanee. Rolling with Swanee is uh, it's a hip hop mixtape show. Um, I play um, a lot of 90s. I play some 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2020 music. I play a little bit of everything. I'm cutting and scratching, talking loud, acting a fool, you know, and and. People seem to like it. I have a, um, that show, is, I got uh, well over 100,000 listeners on uh, on the RW, on on the all digital radio network, but my station on that network is RWS Radio. Um, I have that every Fridays at 10 p.m. Um, Saturdays is all house music, 
same time, 10 p.m. every Saturday. And um, sometimes I'll, I'll do shows like a throwback Thursday. You know, uh, shout out to my brother, the professor. You know, he has a show on there every Monday at 7 o'clock. He has his professor, the professor's lounge. You know, it's a great show. He does a fantastic job. But, yeah. That's what that's that's what you know Swanee River's doing, I guess. Yeah. Right. And all those times are Eastern Standard, so adjust those accordingly to your local time zones. Yes. Yeah. Please Standard do. So, so listen, uh, just so you guys, the the, the link is www.rws.alldigitalradio.com. There we go. I'm gonna repeat it again to make sure you guys get it. Is www rws.alldigitalradio.com. Once again, it is at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but be sure to adjust it in accordance to your local time mm -hmm. zones. Exactly. Now, before we close this interview, Swanee, do you have any shout-outs yes, you want to give, bro? Yeah, I want to shout-out uh, my brothers, The Alliance. That's a, a, a group that, I've, that I'm a part of. Uh, it's an LGBT hip-hop group. Um... We uh, we have music on Spotify and Apple Music all over the place. Just look for the Alliance. Um, it's spelled D T H E A L L I Y A N C E. Excuse me. Uh, it's the Alliance with a Y. Um, yeah, and um, shout out to everybody who's doing their thing, man. And give us give the links to your social media. Where can folks find you? Uh, on Instagram is SRMG underscore RWS radio. Um, and I have another Instagram. Um, oh my God. Uh, Ooh, I even forgot that guy. I don't even use that. But anyway, Facebook is Swanee River. Um, uh, not Instagram. Uh, Twitter is um, RW Swanee and Swanee underscore river. All right, so find him, follow him on all those social media platforms. You guys are going to tune into his radio show because I'm going to give you the link one more time. It is www.rws.alldigitalradio.com. Yep, catchy. And the time zone, once again, is Eastern Standard at 10 p.m., but adjusted accordingly to your local time zone. This video content of the podcast will be available next week on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash J85. And also the audio-only portion will be heard on Anchor, Breaker, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, and just got approved for submission on Apple Music. So, yes, it will be on there next week. So tune in, like. Love it. Follow the Facebook page for the show, facebook.com mm -hmm. or slash beyond the album cover, or you can go directly to anchor.fm slash beyond the album cover, all one word. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. DJ Swanee River, thank you for coming yes, on the podcast, my brother. Anytime, man. You need me, I'm here, brother. Yes, sir.